If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. If you're in a saturated market, find something that's a little different, like pick a niche. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafter stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my longarm quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. Here's where I spend many, many hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and aren't familiar with those terms, it's basically doodling on the layers of a quilt with a 50-pound pencil with needle and thread attached. This week I've quilted daisies and feathers, and I've done a number of baby quilts that are destined for a local NICU. But today, I am taking a well-deserved coffee break to visit with Sam Alberts. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hey, I'm Will. And I'm Dave. We're The Will and Dave Show, a small podcast where we talk about the things that matter to us, whether that's politics or social issues or pop culture. We are on opposite ends of most every discussion we have, and yet at the end, we always find a little bit of common ground. So check us out at www.thewillanddaveshow.com or on YouTube or wherever fine podcasts are found. And now, back to Pins and Needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Today's tip is to help you when you are piecing and pressing. Pressing is really, really important when you're sewing a quilt to get really flat, crisp seams. So many of us have heard of using a wooden clapper to lay on the seams after they're pressed while they're cooling, but not all of us have a clapper in our studio. But here's a fill-in. Just use a simple magazine from your collection, and every time you press a seam open while it's still hot, just lay that magazine on top of the seam and leave it there undisturbed while it cools. And presto, a perfectly pressed, very flat and crisp seam. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan, where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me get a better microphone and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thank you so much for your support and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Today I have with me in the studio Sam Alberts. She is from Grand Forks, BC, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Sam, and I'm living in Grand Forks, BC, and long-arm quilting here. I'm originally from northern British Columbia, as we've talked about in the past. I'm sure we have. Can I ask what part of northern BC? I'm born and raised in Prince George. That is northern, and I know right where that is, yep. Yeah. (laughs) And I actually first got into quilting in Dawson Creek when I was living there. And we lived in Dawson Creek for two years, I think. And I had lived in Fort St. John many times in my past, but um, I just kind of, 
yeah, fell into quilting by accident while living up in the north. So I'm just curious because in my time living in the north, and maybe we should give our listeners a bit of framework. A lot of people know where the Alaska Highway is. So it begins in northern BC and goes through um, the Yukon Territories and all the way up into Alaska. And Dawson Creek, which Sam has mentioned, is the mile zero, the beginning, the southern tip of the Alaska Highway. But don't let the word southern uh, mislead you. It is very northerly. (laughs) So in my experience, though, living there in the north, there was not like there were a lot of quilt makers, but there was not much quilting community in the sense that we didn't hear too much about current fabric lines or pattern designers or have teachers come through. So where did you, you know, sort of get into long arming as a business? And, you you know, well, I, I started quilting in Dawson Creek and I had actually wanted to start sewing uh, to make clothing for my kids because we were pretty broke at the time. And I didn't realize how much fabric actually cost, especially up in the North. So kiboshing that plan, I now had a sewing machine set up on my dining room table and I didn't know what to do with the bloody thing. So I um, just kind of tiptoed around it and everybody ate around it. And we just pretended it wasn't there for a while until my husband finally said, you know, do it or put it away. Like, that's it. That's all. So I got some dollar store fabric. I don't even remember what it was like one of those just junky blankets you can buy there. And I started cutting it up into pieces with scissors and sewing it together, not even knowing what I was doing. And, you know, skip ahead a little while. And I showed up at the quilt guild in Dawson Creek. And I walked in one day and, you know, kind of shy with my little quilt and everything. And, they looked at me and they thought that I was in the wrong room. I, they thought I was supposed to go down to the ballet studio because I, I was quite young too. I was about 24 years old and uh, they laughed at me and I had already started quilting on my home machine, uh, my own quilts, just following YouTube videos and that kind of thing. And I had no idea how difficult it was because nobody told me. I just thought this is how you do it. And so I was machine quilting away and those ladies encouraged me so much to keep going at it. Just keep machine quilting and we jump further ahead. We are now in Saskatchewan and I'm still just quilting away like crazy. And I joined the guild there and met a bunch of other just amazing ladies that helped me out in the Atonia quilt guild actually. And I, yeah, I wanted a long arm so bad. We built these, this beautiful building and everything was going great. And then we had to move again. We moved back to BC and to Grand Forks where I finally am. And I'm still machine quilting and doing really good at it. You know, I had done some client stuff on my home machine even, and I, I knew I needed a long arm. So one day I actually caught my husband gambling online and I was really, really choked about that. He wasn't supposed to do that anymore. So I confiscated his winnings and bought myself a long arm. And that's how I got my long arm. Okay, and that that is one of the most unique long arm acquisition <laughs> stories I've heard. I love it. <laughs> You've kind of told me now where you started from. And boy, you started from ground zero, which I have huge I admiration for. Was, like you said, you watched YouTube about-ish, how many years ago was that? And were there lots of tutorials available? Like now you could just basically go to quilting school online if you wanted to. Yeah, so that was maybe 10 or 12 years ago. 
I guess, is when I started watching online videos. And I watched a lot of Leah Day's videos. She was fantastic. Huge. And I learned so much from her, especially about um, how to move the designs around the quilts and how to shape the shapes that you're trying to make. And so those skills really did come in handy when I got the long arm. Now, the long arm is such a different medium than machine quilting. So it was still a huge learning curve, I found. That is going very up. true. And, that is very true. Yeah. It's just a, it's an entirely different skill because you're driving the machine upon the fabric instead of moving the fabric underneath the needle. So it's two very different things. There are quite a few people that do both, but it's still two very, very different things. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I'd go back. <laughs> I'm yeah. with you on that. I was recently asked if I would um, teach a class for domestic machine quilting. I was like, it isn't that I couldn't teach it, but in order to be good at it, you have to keep practicing at it. And I don't want to spend the time to practice. So I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. But I am yeah, curious about sure. one thing, Sam. How, because I grew up in very rural BC myself, how did you establish a business and find a clientele in a fairly small town? I joined the guild first off. There's always a guild around. I mean, whether you have to travel for a little bit to get to a guild, uh, there's quilters everywhere. You, you can find them. You have to seek them out, but they are there. Um, so I joined the guild. Uh, the guild here meets on Tuesday mornings, which really didn't work for me. I'm, I'm a little bit younger than they are, and I was still working a regular job at the time. So I didn't really get to go to guild much. But when I did go, I brought my stuff in, and I had just got the long arm, and I was you know, showing them some of this cool things I could do. But I was not ready to start a business yet um, right away. And when I finally did decide to launch into business, those ladies got behind me pretty good. I, I could, they knew where I'd come from and how much better I'd gotten. So they started bringing me some stuff and I started at a fairly lower price point. I priced myself. There's another long armor in town. Um, I priced myself right with her, her lowest that she goes. That's where I went because I didn't want to undercut anyone. So I made sure my prices were high enough. That's that was really important, but not too low or too, you know, I'm priced right. And then I got onto the Google and I emailed every single guild in British Columbia, every single guild. And I just sent out emails because a lot of the guilds, especially the ones in these small towns, aren't always up on Facebook. They're not easy to find. And email seems to be where they reside still. And so I emailed them all. And then I just started joining every group on Facebook. And I just started putting out as many advertisements as I could on the Facebook marketplace and anywhere that was free on the Kijiji's like everywhere. And I just blasted the internet with everything I could think of. These are really great tips because I hear this too a lot from long armors for one reason or another. They'll say, you know, the market is saturated wherever I am or the prices are too low wherever I am. I can't make a living at that. But the truth is there's no borders anymore. I mean, maybe North America. Maybe you don't want to go international, but short <laughs> that of that, <laughs> there's really no border. So I love these tips. Give us more. Tell us some, some business building tips because there's lots of long armors out there wondering, just how do I get started? How do I start reaching an audience? 
So you've said um, joining Facebook groups is a good one. Emailing, because a lot of the demographic that you're trying to reach is not necessarily doing searches on Google. So that's a great point. Any others? If you're in a saturated market, find something that's a little different, like pick a niche. So the other long armor that lives very close to me here, she's really into like really fine, dense quilting. So when I got started, um, my whole shtick was I'm a loose quilter. You know, I quilt things to be snuggly. And that's how I really got people to start coming to me. They didn't want it to be so stiff. So I changed the way that I marketed myself. It's an excellent point to find your own strong suit, your own specialty, if you will, and offer that yeah. and, get, and get known for that as well. Yeah. And if Excellent. you're in a market that has something, just find something else. So here's yeah. another question. What, what are some of the questions you get asked the most? It can be from a client or from other quilters. Let's start with other quilters. What are some of the questions you get asked the very oftenest? How do I design my quilts and what pen I use? How do you design your quilts and what pen do you use? Um, I use um, just a generic blue marker that's water soluble. That's basically all I use. Sometimes I use a Fonz and Porter chalk pencil if it's a darker fabric. And those are the two that I use. I don't use anything else. I tried the pouncing and that doesn't work for me. So those are the only marking tools I use. It does um, seem like marking tools become... Um, specific to the type of quilting that you do, right? So for certain people in certain, like using stencils, for example, the pouncer might be the tool for them. But for the type of quilting you use, yeah, know, know your tool that's suitable to what you're trying to achieve. Excellent. Exactly, yeah. So on to design. And Where do you grab some of your inspiration? And how does that translate oh, onto quilt tops? I do a lot of my inspiration on Pinterest as well, actually. Me too. Um, I do tons of inspiration comes from uh, Instagram. Instagram is kind of a new medium for me. I am not a very techie person. I, I did say I emailed everybody. Um, and where else? Oh, and a, a friend of mine. I talk to one of my friends all the time that I met on Instagram, actually. Uh, she's dropped AZ quotes. Um, and we throw ideas back and forth quite often. I'll take a picture of my quilt and do a little doodle on it. Um, I doodle on it using like the gallery feature on your phone. You know, does that make sense? That That's actually so another really good point. Let's circle back around to that in a minute after you finish this topic, how you sort of audition your designs. But go ahead right. with your inspiration. So I'll send her a doodle of my idea and... She'll be like, oh, that looks really cool. Or, uh, yeah, you're out to lunch. That's never going to work. <laughs> and we chit chat a lot about that. <clears throat> and it goes back and forth excellent. between the two of us. Yeah, excellent. Friends can be, especially fellow quilters or fellow artistic people, can be a really good sounding board for that. Okay, yeah, I want to come sure. back to how you audition your design. So you mentioned using gallery on your smartphone. I use my tablet, actually, because the... Mm. The phone is too small. So I take a picture of the quilt using my tablet um, or whatever you have. And then I open it up in the gallery option or just to view it. And there's usually a place in that little thing that is already built into your phone or whatever. And you can draw right there on your little tablet. Watching TV or 
you know, sitting in your chair or whatever. And just audition designs just with your finger or whatever, if you have one of those drawing pencils or something for your phone or something. And yeah, that's usually where I start. And I start on the quilt that's coming up in front of the TV in the evening while I get ready for the next day. And the beauty of doing it that way is you can see the whole quilt as one. Like I often audition, for example, with a little plexiglass board, but that's only works for small and specific areas, right? But if you're trying to think of a whole cohesive design for a whole quilt, you want to be able to see the whole thing at once. That's the beauty of the tablet. And I do. I design my quilts from top to bottom before I start. I really do. I I do. I spend a lot of time on like so like too much time on design. I over design sometimes. It's a little exhausting. <laughs> so that's something too then must be specific to quilters because I do not do that. I tend to have a starting point in my mind and to know some of the features I want to include. But mine does not ever seem to gel or fully fall into place till I get quilting. But you find that you think better when you know what you're doing up front before you begin. Yeah, I mean, I don't solidify everything. Like I don't know exactly what fill is going to go into this spot. But I do know that I need to fill that with something. And if I'm going to choose pebbles, then I have to incorporate another round piece somewhere in my quilt. You know, like, um, you know, round stuff with round stuff, square stuff with square stuff. Like, I really like a cohesive quilt. Like, something that you can see that it's been thought through. Like, you know that that design was picked to complement the next design. I do that a lot. That's actually a really excellent design tip. You know, to to think through um, all the parts have to play well together, you know. One of the last quilts that I just finished, I had like a swirl chain sort of going down one of the, the borders. And then I incorporated a swirly sort of fill in another area of the quilt. And then I had another swirl chain that went throughout the interior of the quilt. And then I filled with whatever, but I did have swirls was the main feature of the quilt. And I think that just helped make it very cohesive. I completely agree. And that is just, it's so pleasing to the eye. And it's a thing that you don't always notice when it is in place, but when it's not there or when elements are kind of warring with each other, that's when you see, uh uh-oh, you know, that was not thought through well. Good point. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Where can people find you or view your work? Or in fact, if they're interested in hiring you. I've been using Instagram more and more. And I'm finding that most of my pictures are on there. There's a lot of photos on Instagram. And it's probably easiest to contact me either there or on Facebook. I'm big on Facebook too. My page isn't always updated. Um, My Instagram handle is Quilting Curve Studio. And on Facebook, you can find me at Quilting Curve Studio as well. Perfect. Or Sam Alberts. Perfect. So I will put all these links in the show notes. So for those who want to view Sam's work, that is where you can see her gorgeous pictures. And trust me, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. So any other tips for um, maybe thinking of the person who is doing this just for a hobby? Um, I'm kind of thinking on the fly here, Sam. Going back to business instead, because we were talking a lot about design and that's what you do in custom work. So for the person that's starting to get into this as a business, how would they start to judge their time for a quilt? Or how do you go about that process of determining how long a quilt will take and 
budgeting time, if you will, for it? I'm really not the best at that. (laughs) (laughs) I I do, I, I have a goal. So my goal is to do three quilts a week. And that is a mixture of uh, everything, most mostly custom and pantograph quilting. And, you know, some of these quilts that come up are huge, like the Judy Niemeyer sort of quilts. And those ones take a lot longer than a week to do. And a week, like five days. I, I try desperately to give myself the weekend off, but yeah, it's... And rightfully so. You still a, have a young it's family. It's a huge commitment. Yeah, I, I do. I have two kids. Uh, they're super super nice teenagers and um that was that was sarcasm but time yeah time is a really difficult one you have i i found that when i was doing long arm and quilting part-time and i was just getting started it wasn't enough i had like a mop drop moment at work you know it was just that's it i'm done i'm leaving and i'm leaving right now and i went full-time long arming and it was super scary. It, mm-hmm. you know, I've got my husband is a contractor, so he works for himself too. And we talked about it, and I was like, "This is where I'm gonna go." And it was it was a huge commitment in money and time, because if you're gonna go straight for the business, you have to pick some things. You have to pick whether you're gonna carry batting. You have to pick whether you're going to be carrying thread, and like, are you gonna offer the full rainbow of thread? Or are you just going to offer neutrals and you, but you still have to buy all that thread. You have to set up your business um, and, and have a certain standard of materials like that you, that you're working with, you know, or carry backing so much stuff. There is so much to be considered. And, you know, when you move, when you cross that line from hobby quilting into business quilting, you really have to shift your mindset, right? So now you have to learn to understand what it costs you or what you need to earn in an hour of quilting and or, you know, what your markup needs to be on your products, your thread, your batting, etc. And so it just really takes a shift in mindset and an awareness, doesn't it? It does. And, and I'm still learning that. Like I said, I've I, I've got a really long list of quilts right now, um, a, a little bit too long for my liking. I'm booked until j- mid-June now. And, you know, like, but people will wait. There's that too. People will wait. If they want your work, they will wait for you. And they will come find you and they will pay you. You need to price yourself properly. I struggle with that too. I'm not a particularly or I am a particularly frugal person myself. And I understand that paying somebody to do this quilt is expensive and it, and it, it's difficult to charge for that, but you need to, you need to. And, and I'm still working on that myself as well. Have you found that you've experienced a shift? You were mentioning that when you started, you were pricing yourself kind of at the lower end of what your local competition was doing because you were beginning, because your experience is limited. So have you come to that kind of shift where as you become much more of an expert in your field, you know, do you value that higher? Do you factor that into your prices from time to time? Huge, huge. I've had a number of times where I've had an increase. And I've experimented with raising my prices from, you know, letting everybody know and putting it out there like, hey, there's going to be a price increase in August, get your quilts in, to 
just doing it and i find just doing it is way easier just talk to everybody as they come in oh by the way prices have changed are you okay with that on we go if they are not okay with it then i offer a different type of quilting like the pantograph quilting i do do a lot of pantograph quilting which is priced um quite a bit lower than my custom work and i'm looking to raise my prices again very soon Mm -hmm. and appropriately so like the our, our goal, my goal as a business owner is to get a, a good hourly wage out of it, right? So whatever that takes. So obviously the simpler quilting, you know, I'm still trying to produce the same hourly wage, the high intensity quilting, your quilt will cost more to produce that same hourly wage for me. So all those factors have to be taken into account. They do. They do. And, and it's, it's hard sometimes to ask for that money, you know, and earn to value yourself and your work. Like it's it's really difficult, and I don't know if that's a long arm thing or a woman thing or just a, an entrepreneurial thing. I don't know, but it's tough. It's tough sometimes. Perhaps all of the above. I do think that typically crafters tend to undervalue themselves because artisanal yeah. work has not always been recognized for its uniqueness, and we're that's starting true. to see that more and more. And I feel like as entrepreneurs we want to support that valuation of people's skills and so it behooves us to keep our prices fair but not cheap because we need to see that value in place yeah and you know I've even wrestled with this with um people who are close to me like I I mean I've had the idea to get a long arm for so long like until once I figured out what it was that you could do it that way instead of sitting at a machine um I've been trying to get a long arm and it took a long time it took you know eight years for me to get it or and not even get it but convince my husband that I needed it I mean I did steal the money from him eventually anyway so he never really agreed does he agree now was it worth it he does now. Yeah. Now he's like it. And it's taken a couple of years to get to a point to where I'm actually being really profitable and, and making, you know, good money. And uh, he is seeing it now. <laughs> he's understanding. And, you know, wood just went through the roof for like as a building material. And we were about to build me a new studio. And that's unfortunately doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's too but, bad. you know, you got to carry on and, and I will because I don't work on a very big machine. Like I work on a handy quilter Avante 18 incher. Like it's, it's a little, it's like a minivan of long arms. Okay. I love that. I love that description. <laughs> I don't know what mine compares to probably a decent sized SUV. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Yeah. 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 No, it's just a little minivan, but it's not how big, you know, it's how you use it. So we're good to go. And honestly, 18 inch will do it. It takes you just a wee bit yeah. more time in that you've got a few more advances to do, but it's not, it's not undoable. Oh, and I do spend a lot of time is uh, going back and forth too, you know, and uh, that, that it does take more time, but oh, well, that's, that's it for now. It's, as, it's only as big as the room can be. Right. Right. Well, I tell you what, looking at your pictures, beautiful things are the result. Do you have any sort of last words of advice, maybe for the young up and coming quilter where, you know, a long arm just seems like a pipe dream? Is it worth it? Is it doable? Oh, yeah, it's so doable. And and don't worry about the everybody being or sorry, don't worry about a saturated market. There's so many quilts to go around. So many quilts. 
uh, you will find them. They will come to you. I, I would encourage anybody to give her a go, you know, even even just for yourself, like some of the little machines you can have for yourself and do some of your little stuff on it. It's 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 so much fun. It's so much fun. I agree. Rewarding. Well, thank you yeah, again. It has been a real pleasure. And we'll chat again sometime, Sam. Thanks so much for joining okay. me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Susan. And thank you for tuning into the show. For information on classes I offer or quilting services, please see my website, stitchedbysusan.com. If you're a long-arm quilter and looking for freehand tips, take advantage of the live and unscripted episodes on my Facebook page, Stitched by Susan. Replays are also available on my YouTube channel, also Stitched by Susan. And if pictures are your preference, check out my Pinterest galleries of edge-to-edge and custom quilting projects. All these direct links can be found in the show notes below. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.